Hello, I'm Namakali Chintu and I'm a banker at EFG Private Bank. I'm pleased to be a part of this family business conference and today I'm going to speak to you family investors about the implications of the coronavirus outbreak for markets during these uncertain times. Before I start, I'd like to highlight three things. First, I'm working from home, so if I get through most of the presentation and my toddler walks in, please bear with me as I would rather not record this too many times. Second, I'm fortunate to be able to work from home and continue interacting with our clients as well as access live market information. But most importantly, analysis from our chief investment officer, Moz Afzal. This is what I'd like to share with you today. Finally, I'd like to point out that as the bottom of the cover page of the presentation indicates, what I will discuss is not intended as a recommendation to invest in any particular securities. Right, let's start. In the last two months, the rest of the world outside China has experienced unprecedented changes as a result of the spread of the coronavirus. When I think about COVID-19 and the global response, it reminds me of the five stages of grief or loss developed by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. The first stage is shock and denial. It came in the form of consensus that COVID-19 would be contained at best, or at worst, populations would develop herd immunity, given that it was believed to hit all the populations the hardest. This was clarified, and then the second stage of anger came in the form of resentment and discrimination towards China. Just recently, we've heard about the US halting funding to the WHO, for example. By the time it had started to ravage Europe, the third stage of bargaining came in the form of debates about the nature and extent of social distancing and its timing, as well as why countries weren't adequately prepared for such a pandemic, which had been spoken of years ago by Bill Gates and Barack Obama. The fourth stage of depression came in the form of widespread false information on social media about COVID-19 spread, prevention and treatment. Did anyone see the story about lions patrolling the streets in Russia? That was incredible. As world markets got to grips with understanding the nature of the virus and countries closed borders and directed lockdowns, the equity markets plummeted. The S&P 500 is down more than 25% in mid-March with low liquidity as a result of very little trading. By mid-April, we are above the previous all-time highs on some of the new economy stocks such as Amazon. The fixed income markets were equally affected with flight to higher quality borrowers. That set up credit lines and raised capital on the bond market. For example, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, Nike, ExxonMobil, and Disney all raised debt of around $6 billion each. That was associated with very high credit spreads between investment grade and non-investment grade issuers. As the Fed intervened in fixed income markets, spreads tightened for both investment grades and high yield issuers, but emerging markets were left behind. Oil fell to around just over $20 a barrel because of increased supply and depressed demand. It is the perfect storm as the price war between Russia and Saudi Arabia escalated and the shutdowns brought the transport industry to a halt, wiping out almost 60% of global demand. Gold prices rose as they would normally do during economic recessions or uncertainty, as investors flock into gold as a safe haven. However, the fifth and last stage of grief is acceptance. And this came in the form of unprecedented responses from global leaders, businesses and individuals in trying to put this right. 
governments around the world put together a series of interventions to help tackle the economic repercussions of social distancing and lockdowns. The markets did react to these interventions and the second week of March saw the strongest week in global equity since 2008. This performance was a combination of two factors. Firstly, confidence that new COVID cases were coming down, but also confidence that the stimulus policy initiatives will work, basically don't fight the Fed. Cyclical sectors led the way with smaller companies catching up. So in the UK, for example, the Bank of England cut interest rates to 0.1% in the US. The Fed has cut them to near 0% in order to stimulate lending in these economies. The G20 has committed over $5 trillion in stimulus packages that include bond buyback schemes and increased lending to SMEs by the banking sector. Governments have also put in place fiscal packages that include employment support and support to companies that suffer as a result of the economic repercussions of social distancing. The healthcare response has been varied but swift with new hospitals being built in record time, variations in provision of personal protective equipment, as well as testing capabilities for both frontline staff and the general populations. Whilst possible treatment is still undergoing research, there have been suggestions that some anti-malarial medication could be used to treat COVID-19 and pharmaceutical companies are racing against time to come up with a vaccine because at the moment, nothing is cast in stone and nothing is certain. These three categories of intervention in various forms are necessary conditions for economic recovery and markets are watching them very closely, reacting as any new information is released. So what will a recovery look like? What are the possible scenarios for markets after the crisis? Unemployment in the US is estimated at 10 to 15% when all effects are counted. Yet, will it come back down to 3% as it was before? Or will it settle at 7% towards the end of the year? And what happens to the money saved as a result of not going out? Will people go to the cinema 20 times to make up? Where will all this money go? And will they have less to spend or spend it all online or on other physical items rather than experiences? If there is a spending bonanza, will it lead to inflation? Well, our CIO has put together three possibilities of a recovery. In scenario one, we are presented with a V-shaped recovery in which markets fall, followed by a sharp recovery in the third quarter of this year. Our CIO position is that this is unlikely. In this scenario, the monetary bazooka and significant fiscal stimuli around the world have immediate effects. The coronavirus outbreak peaks in April. There is no second wave in Asia and treatment could be found and made widely available in the second half of this year. There are no widespread bankruptcies in the global economy. Unemployment rides, rises only temporarily and there is a temporary drop in corporate earnings. Earnings recover in the second half of 2020. Economic activity rebounds sharply in a short time as people return to work and business confidence returns. And equities rally back fast and high yield credit spreads drop to around 400 basis points versus 1,000 basis points in early March. In the second scenario, we are presented with a U-shaped recovery which makes markets drop to a bottom and consolidate, but start to recover in the fourth quarter of the year. Our CIO position is that this scenario has a higher probability 
and is our bank's best base case for the moment. In this scenario, the monetary bazooka and significant fiscal stimuli around the world has impact spread over the remainder of the year. The coronavirus outbreak peaks in May to June, treatments improve, but a vaccine is not available, widely at least, until the end of this year at the earliest. There is an increase in unemployment and bankruptcies. Corporate earnings might be impacted until the first half of 2021. Economies take a hit in the second quarter of the year, level off in the third quarter, and recover gently in the fourth quarter. Equities find a bottom but are slow to recover, and credit spreads decrease slowly but can't get below 700 basis points. In the third scenario, we are presented with an L-shaped recovery in which markets drop to a bottom and stay there for longer. Our CIA position is that this is unlikely. In this scenario, the monetary bazooka and significant fiscal stimuli around the world is not enough to compensate for the negative effect. The coronavirus outbreak peaks at the fourth quarter of 2020. A second wave hits Asia again and comes back to Europe and the US again in the fourth quarter of this year. Unemployment and bankruptcies rise strongly, triggering a downward spiral in economic malaise. Corporate earnings do not recover for the next two to three years. Governments cannot provide enough support, which leads to some key industry leaders going bust. Equities might trend lower and will not recover for nine to 12 months. High yield and emerging market bonds continue to suffer. Now, each of these scenarios our CIO has put forward does have a probability, meaning each of them is still possible. You can choose to agree or disagree with our house view, but whatever decisions are made, there will be a long-term implication of the coronavirus crisis that will emerge as in investment themes going forward. So we've put together six themes that investors can consider as they plan for the markets after the crisis. The first real noticeable difference is that there will be more video conferencing rather than physical meetings. Here I am speaking to you online. So providers of video conferencing IT systems, providers of software and cloud uh, solutions are expected to become trendy. This will be coupled with a new upgrade cycle for hardware, mobile devices, and the rollout of 5G. Second, people continue to spend more time at home, even after the crisis is over. So internet and network infrastructure providers, video gaming, movie streaming, and social network providers are expected to become popular. The same goes for home sports equipment, home improvement, and home delivery services. This will also reshape the real estate market because it's unclear as to whether when people do return to work, they will have to keep social distancing measures in place and therefore more real estate will be required, or actually people will stay at home and therefore less commercial real estate will be required. Third, governments will upgrade their healthcare infrastructure to hospital providers, medical equipment providers, as well as online and telemedicine providers will increase their presence in the market. Fourth, retail and restaurants will move faster from offline to online. Market leaders in online retail and wholesale, warehouse logistics providers and food delivery services will become more prominent. Fifth, cashless and contactless payment systems will become even more prevalent, paving the way for fintech providers and credit card providers. 
And finally, industrials will want to avoid future rounds of factory shutdowns, and this will mean an increase in factory automation equipment, robotics, and globally integrated production facilities. To conclude, I'll say this again. Depending on what you believe in, there is no shortage of cheap assets to go around, but investing families have to be very selective with individual stocks rather than going for the indices. For example, the S&P 500 has 40% of, of its weighting into healthcare and tech stocks, which are rallying at the moment, and 20% in consumer, whereas the FTSE 100 is packed with energy and banking sector stocks, so their performance has varied. While some of the obvious stocks have rallied, some strong small cap companies have been overlooked by the market. So investment advisors must be very careful with stock, with stock selection during this period. And invest, investing families need to be mindful to work with advisors that have stock analysts and specific industry expertise. Thank you for watching my session on the implications of the coronavirus upgrades for, for markets and family investors. I will stop here for now, but make sure to like the EFG Bank page on LinkedIn for any further updates. Stay well and keep safe. Thank you.